You're listening to Grace Seal Beach Sermons. If you'd like to know more about our church, go to gracesealbeach.org. Well, we are continuing our series in the Gospel of Mark this morning, uh, but it's going to be a little bit of a different sermon than normal because we're going to do what's called a first-person sermon. So this style of expository sermon is designed to help us experience the emotion and tension of the passage by the pastor sort of uh, speaking as if he's one of the characters uh, from the story. In this case, it'll be from Mark 2 that Patty read a moment ago. So if you have your Bible, you're welcome to follow along in Mark 2 as we go through the passage. Uh, There's less sermon notes uh, than normal in order to help you be able to engage a little bit more. And also just feel free to uh, listen to the the story as it might have been told from someone who was there. Well, welcome to Capernaum. I want to show you something I can do, all right? Look at this. All right, I get it. I guess it's not much. But if you knew my story, the fact that I'm walking or jumping at all is a miracle. I don't know another way to put it. For my, man, as long as I can remember, I was laying on a mat. I was reliant on other people for everything. And um, some people were kind, uh, some people weren't. And a lot of people just ignored me. I, I'll, I'll never remember the day that I was sitting by the side of the road on my mat and someone spit on me and said, whose fault is this, you or your parents? Who sinned, you or them? It's hard not to have that shame go inward, you know? To just feel like maybe, maybe it was my sin that put me here. Maybe it was my parents' sin. And I think probably I would have just got lost in that cycle of depression if it wasn't for my friends. I, I can't tell you my story without telling you their story. Because really, it was their faith and their friendship that held me up. Uh, Reuben, in particular, my best friend, he would uh, come and sit with me. And he'd bring me food because I, I couldn't work. He'd bring me shelter because I, I couldn't move myself. He'd bring me to his family's events because I was so lonely. He'd include me when I felt like an outsider. And... And it's not like I couldn't do anything. It's just that people treated me like I couldn't do anything. People treated me like I couldn't contribute. You know, I mean, here, gosh, with the Roman Empire, what it is, it's hard for anyone to get any work, but especially someone who's laying on a mat. And Reuben didn't see me that way. He didn't just see me as a liability or a burden or a sinner, but as a friend and a person. And we would sit around sometimes and talk about life and talk about it people we knew, and we'd talk about God, and we'd talk about why my life was like this. One day, Reuben came to me and said, hey, there's a new rabbi who came to town, and, and I heard that he healed some people. I'm going to take you to him. Do you know how many healers and doctors and rabbis I've gone to see? Do you know how many people have promised me that if I eat this or drink this or wear this, or pray this prayer, things will be better? I said, Reuben, I've had enough of that stuff. Like, this is my life. If God wanted to heal me, he would have done it by now. I'm going to stay here. Well, I want you to know something about Reuben. He does not take no for an answer. Uh, And so he grabbed a couple of our friends, and he picked me up by the mat, and he brought me early in the morning to Peter's house. Now, I mean, our, our town, you know this, Capernaum's not big. There's only a few hundred people here. We all know each other. Um, and so I knew Peter. I've known Peter forever. Uh, I bought fish from Peter. And, um, and so I got to his house, and there was just a few people milling around outside. And Reuben went up and said, hey, what's going on? Where's the, where's the rabbi? Where's the guy? Where's the guy? He heals people, right? Where, where is he? I got someone here who really needs him. And he said, I don't know. 
What do you mean you don't know? You don't lose a rabbi who can heal people. This is like a, a magic thing. Like, don't lose this guy. And he said, all we heard was that when Peter tried to find him this morning, he said, um, I'm going off to other towns to preach, for that's why I've come. What do you mean? We need you here. Well, he's not here. He left. Reuben came back and told me. I said, see, look, this is why you don't get your hopes up, Reuben. You don't get your hopes up, and you won't be disappointed. So Reuben and our friends took me back home, and we just kind of waited and went back to normal life. Well, they waited. I gave up. But their faith kept strong even when mine didn't. And a few months went by, and apparently Jesus had come back to town. Uh, well, I say apparently, because Reuben blew in like a whirlwind and said, we're going now. Um, and I said, well, we're just going to get disappointed again. No, 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 we're going now. And he brought his, our friends with him, and they picked me up, and they started carrying me. Now, I, I know that uh, that sounds really exciting, but the reality is carrying another person, where he's a couple hundred pounds, doesn't really go very fast. So they carried me a little bit, set me down, drink some water, carry me a little bit more, set me down, drink some water. And it gave me a lot of time to think of like, what do I want to have happen? Like, if Jesus is there, what do I want to have happen? Do I think anything could happen? I mean, I'll be lying if I didn't say that there was part of me that was hopeful, like a little part, just a little part, that thought, maybe this could be different. Maybe Jesus could heal me. But then there was this big hammer that came down on my heart that was like, ah, you've gotten your hopes up before. Uh, 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 you, you've thought things would be different before. Nothing's going to be different now. But Reuben and the others just kept saying, we're bringing you to him, we're bringing you to him, we're bringing you to him. And we got there to Peter's house, and apparently we're not the only ones who'd gotten this message, but we were the only ones that had a couple hundred pound liability in walking over there, because there was a huge crowd outside, all the Capernaum had showed up. And uh, I said, guys, just, just give it up. We're not going to get there. We're not going to get into him. And Reuben, again, wasn't that easily dissuaded. So he tried to talk his way to the front of the line. Well, I say talk his way. It involved a lot of elbows, but he tried to get us to the front line. And he succeeded at first, and we got, to the, we got to the edge of the building, but no amount of persuasiveness was getting us into that small room where Jesus was. Have you ever wanted something so much and seen it so close and just not been able to get to it? That's what it felt like. And in some ways, that felt like the, the deeper loss than anything had come before. You know, when you've experienced what I've experienced, you think, man, this is just how it's going to be. But when you start to have a little bit of hope and then you get crushed, it can be all the more discouraging. So Reuben starts climbing up to the top of the building. I say that like, like that's a normal thing to do. Reuben is a crazy person who climbs the top of the building and then says, hey, hand Benjamin up to me. Like, how do you hand someone to the top of a building? But people start gathering around and start pushing me onto the roof. And I say, all right, this is a great idea, Reuben. Now we're on the roof. Now what are you going to do? And he starts digging a hole in Peter's roof. Starts grabbing tiles, throwing them to the ground, grabbing branches, tossing them off. I hear people underneath uh, in the room start saying, hey, what's that? As dirt comes onto their head. <laughs> um, and finally, there's a big enough hole that I can fit through. And I realize that's his plan. Reuben's plan is to drop me onto Jesus. Uh, now... <laughs> Some people, when, they think, when, I, when I tell them this story, they think that there was some advanced system of pulleys and levers. There was no pulleys and levers, right? His plan was just to drop me, just drop me down. And I realized that at the time, and I think, if this doesn't work, then what's going to happen, right? Like, 
you're just going to leave me there? Like, this is going to be, at best, awkward. At best, at best, right? At worst, I'll be abandoned in there. This is kind of all or nothing time, which didn't bother Reuben at all, right? Um, and so they lower me down onto the heads of these people I've known my whole life. People who have taught me in synagogue, people who uh, I'm cousins with, people that I've seen at the market my whole life. And everyone knows why I'm there. And it gets so quiet. And I see Jesus. I can tell who he is right away. And I see him look up at Reuben, who's poking his head through the hole like an idiot. Uh, And I see my friends. and, And Jesus looks at them and he looks at me. He looks at the people all around us. And it's quiet. Jesus says, Son, 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 your sins are forgiven. That gaze of Jesus just went deep into my soul. And there's a part of me that it resonated with so much because sin has been how people have seen me my whole life, right? They've seen me as a sinner who deserved this or they've seen me as a victim of someone else's sin. And to have that weight off of my shoulders, it felt amazing on the one hand, But on the other hand, I was like, that is not why I came, right? That is not what I'm here for. Later on, people would ask me, like, what if it would have stopped there? What if Jesus would have just forgiven your sins and that would have been it? Would you have been content? I never know how to answer that question. Like, you know, the part of me wants to say yes, right? That's what I need most in the world. And if he gave that to me, that would have been enough. But I don't know. I mean, there was something else that I deeply wanted from Jesus. Well, as I was wrestling with this in these few seconds in my own mind, I realized in the room that this is not a popular thing that Jesus has just said. Uh, I noticed some of the people who have taught me in synagogue, some of, the, some of the scribes, some of the religious leaders are really uncomfortable. They're not saying anything, but you can tell by their body language. This is not what they had planned on. This is not what they were planning on discussing. And uh, Jesus realizes it immediately as well. Now, I can't read people's minds, but apparently Jesus could because he says, why do you think in your hearts, who is this man to to forgive sins? Only God can forgive sins. I asked some of the people in synagogue in the weeks and months later, is that really what you were thinking? And they said, yeah. It's like he read our minds. Well, Jesus says, so that you know I can do one, I'm going to do the other one as well. And he said, pick up your mat, rise and go home. I looked up at Reuben. I thought, is this for real? I looked at Jesus. I looked at all the people around me. And I was like, I guess I'll try. And I could feel blood flowing to my extremities that I'd never felt before. I could feel muscle strengthening that I'd never felt strengthened before. I could feel the atrophy reducing and removing. And I could feel the inflammation going away. And I could feel myself be able to start to stand up. I didn't want to take too great a risk at first, so I sort of rolled over onto my stomach and I started to do a little bit of a push-up because I could always use my hands and, and push myself up onto my knees, which I haven't done since I was a kid. And then I put one knee and then one foot and then the other one, and I was able to stand up. And there was a huge murmur in the crowds all around me. And I, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know if to, I should hug Jesus, if I should shout, if I should sit back down before anything went wrong. But Jesus said to go home, so I I rolled up the mat. I don't know what I'm going to do with a used paralytic mat, but I now have one. Um, And and I started to walk out the door. 
And the people who wouldn't let me in when I was paralyzed were quick to let me out now that I was well. And I left. As soon as I got out of the house, Reuben and our friends had the dumbest grins on their face. And I'm sure I did too. And they gave me a big hug. And I wept. I didn't know what to say to them. Because it was, it was their faith, right? It's their faith that Jesus had seen. And it's their faith when mine was weak. That they brought me to Jesus. How do you thank someone for bringing you to Jesus? How do you say you've changed my life by bringing me to this person? Well, we walked home. Walked home. I, I, I still love walking, I gotta be honest. Like I, I know that there's a lot of other parts that come with my new life, but the thing that I love best is walking. And sometimes Reuben and I would bring other people with us when we'd hear that Jesus had come back into town. We'd, we'd walk to wherever he was and we'd, we'd see him and we'd listen to him and we'd listen to his teachings about the kingdom and about what it means that the Messiah had come and who he was. And I, I'd be lying if I said I didn't enjoy a little bit of the celebrity because word would get around that I was the guy who he healed. And, and people would come up to me and say, is it true? And I would show them that, that, that mat I had and say, yeah, it was true. He really did heal me. And sometimes people would ask me uh, the question that Jesus asked in that room right before he did it. He asked, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or rise, take up your mat, and walk? And, and for a long time, what I'd say is, I, I thought the answer was, it's easier to say your sins are forgiven, right? Because no one knows, no one can see. The hard thing is that he healed me. That's what I would tell people for a long time. And then we didn't see Jesus anymore in Galilee. We heard that he'd gone down to Jerusalem to the capital and that while he was there, he didn't heal the country in the way that we were expecting. Instead, the same religious leaders who had said he was blaspheming for declaring the forgiveness of my sins declared him uh, a blasphemer and executed him for the sins of our whole country. And then I realized, oh, Jesus' question had more meaning than I ever thought. You know, it, I thought it was easy to say your sins are forgiven. It's just words, right? But I realized that for my legs to walk, his legs had to be nailed to the tree. For, for my hands and legs and body to work as it was made to, his body had to be taken against his will to a cross. For, for my sins to be forgiven was not an easy thing at all. Healing me didn't cost him everything, but forgiving me cost him everything. Reuben and I still talk about that sometimes. Uh, Reuben doesn't have the same experience, life experience I do. His body's worked fine as much as any of ours do. And so he, he never experienced that sort of healing that Jesus offered, but he needed the same forgiveness as I did, as all of us do. I imagine for, for some of you guys here, you think like, man, if I went through you, what you went through, Benjamin, I would never doubt God. I would always believe. But how can I? How can I, right? how, how can I know the same thing you do? And I would just say, all of us need the forgiveness of God. All of us need to have our sins forgiven the same way that I did. Whether you need to be healed or not, what you do need is the forgiveness that Jesus offers. My story shows you that. And, and I hope that for all of us, that you'd put your same trust in Jesus uh, that I did. Let's pray together. God, I'm grateful uh, for the person and work of Jesus Christ. I'm grateful for the way that he has offered healing and forgiveness to Saul. In Christ's name we pray, amen.